Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast, part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks. We're coming to you live from the Sterling Soap and Roaster Studios, and you can also hear us on 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like and rate and review our podcast, and all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I am Porter Hayes. Alongside me is Adam Hall. We're also brought to you by Bet Online, where you can get all the latest odds, lines, and matchups for football, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino card games available to play right from your phone, head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And before we get in all the, the craziness of what was today with the bombshell of Dan Enos, we want to congratulate the Arkansas soccer team on winning. Their, they have clinched a share of the SEC regular season title. They're fourth in the last five years. Um, they are number one overall in the rankings. And then South Carolina is sitting at, I believe, uh, four or five zero and four and with the points right now arkansas has 22 total points south carolina has 19 with mississippi state coming to fayetteville to close out the regular season on senior night so if you want to go see them play um anapota jill one of the pillars of the arkansas program uh man that'd be an awesome way to send her out and her career, her regular season career at Arkansas to show up for that game. But moving on to the task at hand, and Dan Enos has been let go by the University of Arkansas. They are to owe him $2.8 million of his buyouts, which we'll get into more buyouts here here on in the show. But Adam, bombshell dropped on us this afternoon. What, what was your initial thoughts of of the firing. My initial thoughts were it's about time just with the way that the offensive, you know, somebody had to be the one to fall on the sword, if you will. And it was him. Um, I didn't quite know when it was going to happen slash if it would happen based on coach Pittman's comments yesterday that he didn't want to talk about it. And, you know, when they asked if there was going to be a change this coming week, uh, you know, w- w- with his tone and demeanor, you kind of expected something was going to happen. I just couldn't, wasn't quite sure when. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think if it was rather than drag it out, it was one of those, you're just going to, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Yeah. I, I, and, and thing is, you with today's <clears throat> landscape, college football, look, they, they named Guyton the intern. Now he's intern OC. He's never called a single play in college football. So we got to keep that in mind. I mean, I'm not setting him up for failure. This is an intern deal, but we, if things are, we got to know where things are continuing to go on this, this win loss thing. So if they go and say they beat FIU, but lose all their other SEC remaining games, you know, it's not on him. I mean, let's see what he can do, but 
you know, there's a lot of questions about this. My interpretation was he knew the answer yesterday, but of course, you got to wait till it's, you know, they can publicly, not publicly, but, you know, say it. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It's just the fact that I don't think he's a scapegoat. I think Kennedy was a scapegoat. I think a lot of people were hard on him. And when we talked to Mike Irwin, you know, he told us they blocked fine last year. It's the scheme. And when you go to the scheme, that fault, he's one up from. From Kennedy is Enos, and you see the play calling and stuff. But you know, you know, Pittman's not off the hook though yet. You know, I posed mm-hmm. that question, and we're still let's see how the season plays out. But there's a lot of what ifs. What if they're waiting to see, and we'll get into his, his buyout here in a second. But what if they're waiting on his buyout if they drop the rest of the many games, and he drops below that 500 in his record, where he loses, you know, a portion of his buyout. You know, again, there's a lot of questions to be asked, but I want to address the question between right here. Do you think it's between him and keep it? I don't think KJ was ever in the uh, consideration. Uh, again, KJ has shown inconsistencies. A lot of the, the play calling or, or the poor execution, you still got to put on his feet as well because it was throws. And again, in the second part of our show, we'll get into the game itself and what, but right now we, we, I want to talk about the firing and buyouts and stuff. Um, so if you've commented before the break on the game itself, we will definitely address that in the second part. Yeah, I think a big questions are going to be um, what is Guyton going to be like as a play caller? Um, I think being under, and I, and I, I, can't, I don't like bringing up, Kendall Bryles time and time again, but now you have to yeah. because that who that's whose wing Guyton has spent the most time under. So, you know, the question is, is like, are we going to see more of that one read RPO that we're accustomed to seeing these last few years? Yeah. Um, because obviously it hasn't worked with the offensive line holding up with KJ being able to go through three, four five reads. It's just been, it's, it's not doable. You 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 brought up a great point on that. Uh, and when it comes to the one read, if you're not blocking enough to where he's having to make these two three read systems, of course, you know mm-hmm. that that's what you have to do with with your system. And that's what somebody had mentioned about Bryles. So, you know, Bryles has a complex offense. Well, he made it to fit KJ. And and sometimes as an offensive coordinator or a head coach, your ego comes into check. You have to check your ego. What's going to make you win? If you're and this is nothing to do with with KJ, I mean, if he's a one read guy and he is completing seventy three to seventy five percent of his passes, flex the offense to him because that's what's working. And, you mm-hmm. know, just because you're you're, you know, simplifying your offense has you know it doesn't mean anything bad towards KJ. It's just that's you know what fits him and with him running because you know especially when you're not blocking, it's a one read and he's running the ball anyway. So why not come in? And especially if you're bringing in a guy who's never called plays, this is perfect. Let him develop a system where, hey, I've only got to do one read. Mm-hmm. And it's a more of an RPO quick. And I'll tell you what, with the receivers you've got in the blocking, you've got quick guys. They've shown that their speed is not up to what we thought, you know, the four or five. But you have quick guys that if you can get them, get the separation early, that can help with the slants, get your tight ends going, and, and get your running backs going. 
I would love for them, and I don't know, again, how too far. I'm not in a college coach or a schemer, but I would love to see what if they tried that, you know, spread it out blocking scheme again to mm-hmm. see if that will work. Because at this point, you're playing with house money. You really are. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got to win all these games to get bowl eligible. I don't see that happening because look how well Missouri's playing. And Florida, they were what we thought was a winnable game. Now, I mean, none of the games really are even winnable right now. <laughs> Yeah, and then the yeah, question here, will Guyton coach wide receivers, quarterbacks, and everything an OC does? I don't think so. I think he's going to continue to coach the wide receivers. Yes, he will play call. Jimmy Smith is still coaching your running backs, and that's just going to be a kind of community. They're all going to have a hand in it, but Guyton's going to be the one calling plays. I don't think you're going to take away Jimmy Smith's um, coaching yeah. of the running backs. or over. You, know, oh, yeah. I, I, you let Jimmy Smith do his thing. Well, and that and and that is what it, in the hierarchy of coaching, you know, that's like that biggest thing, you know, the biggest knock on Pittman. Well, he's a lineman coach. Why is his line? If you're the head coach, that should be the least of your worries as a head coach is what your offensive line is doing, mm-hmm. because that's your offensive coordinator, and then your lineman coach. You got two guys underneath you that should be because ch- one of one two things. All right, that's Kennedy's job. Well, if Kennedy is not doing his job, then Enos needs to check him on his job. Mm-hmm. Well, if Eno has checked him, it, it, it's the the everybody's had a job chain of command. Yeah. There's you know, chain of command hierarchy. That's exactly however you want to put it. And if if that's probably what it was, he knows just what there's there was a disconnect. A lot of people were saying that there was a disconnect between Pittman and Enos, and I think that was evident. Um, and here the thing was, I was fooled, and I'll be the first one to admit it. I was fooled. I thought that they would just come back together. And both had a chip on their shoulder. They were going to prove something. But just because two people, that proves this point, just because two people has worked together before doesn't mean they're going to come back and everything's going to be merry, you know, and everything's going to work out. This is a clear example of how things don't work out just because two people has worked together before. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that we need to look at, too, for a lot of the talk of who's next, who's going to be the next OC. If something were to happen and Pittman were to be let go, who's going to replace him? Let's, in my opinion, and I know we posted earlier the half-joking about Petrino, <laughs> but let, let's stop looking at former coaches. You know, let's just go get somebody. They don't have to have ties to Arkansas. They don't have to have coached here before. So the Gus Malzons, the whoever else, let's just stop, Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. Let's let's look at, and I want to think of just the prelim, who do you want to go? I want to go after a guy who was a good OC, went to be a head coach, and it just didn't work out, like a Matt Rule. You know, somebody like that. Yes, he goes to Nebraska, and it's not, you know, he's just not cutting it as a head coach. Somebody like that, you know, look, who was it? Uh, was it Aranda, Dave Aranda? That was, or was it, no, it wasn't Aranda. Who was the offensive coordinator? Brady. He was offensive coordinator yeah. at at LSU. Went LSU, off. then went to Carolina. Yeah. And, and we. See I mean, I would look yeah. at somebody like Skip Holtz. Yeah, he went to you know after Louisiana Tech, he went to the USFL with the Birmingham Stallions, and I believe that's where he is now. But you know, who knows if or what's going to happen with the USFL in the future? It's yeah, it's like right here, Blake Taylor. You know, Joe Brady for that's crazy that I even we even brought that up. But I mean, it's somebody. Look what. When you have the perfect con- concoction of what LSU did in 2019, you had 
Aranda at D.C. You had Brady at O.C. You had Burrow and a stallion of wide receivers and that defense, and that's with a perfect concoction. You get somebody like that in here where you could get the – I mean, I think the defense, and we'll talk about the defense when we're talking about the game, but this offense, I mean, it's a shame that this defense is playing as well as they are, and we are having to talk about replacing the offensive coordinator – in the bye week. But it's funny. I mean, we, we alluded to something a couple weeks ago. Will somebody make it to the bye week? Mm-hmm. And here we are. Yep. Um, you know, none of us had, which I know, like we said, we'd get into more game talk after. Yep. But, um, I, I mean, it wasn't in the cards. And, you know, if we could go back and check, uh, none of us wanted this. We wanted this to work. You know, so it's one of those that, but it's happened, so we have to deal with it. We have to talk about it. But, you know, if things could have worked out differently, obviously we all, if we were sitting here right now at five and three, heck, even four and fours would be a completely different conversation. Well, I even, even, even pose this just as, just to, you know, for craps and giggles. and G's. Yeah. Um, you know, Mason Choke put out a thing. Well, what if that penalty wouldn't have got called Arkansas scoops and cores and then Arkansas wins the game? Where are we yeah. at? One play. I mean, that – but you talk about nailing the coffin. <laughs> Arkansas loses the game, but that one play could have changed. But is that a is that a blessing? Is is that the inevitable? Like, you know the inevitable is coming. Like, are you just – are you slowing down the bleeding in that point? If, say, mm-hmm. that scoop and score happens and Arkansas wins the game, are you just slowing down the bleeding at that point – is that was the football god saying, "Hey, look, let, let, let's just put this. We, we've sent enough of this experiment. Mississippi State's going to win the game, and we're going to well, be yeah, looking it, for it." I mean, if we if that scoop and score happened and you won the game, you know, ten to seven. Fact was, is the offense was still atrocious. Mm-hmm. So it, I think that would have just prolonged the inevitable. And that's in what that I'm sense. getting at. What what would, yeah. and this fans and listeners in the comments. And when we might, I don't know. I mean, it might be too late. I don't want to rehash it, but so I'll ask it now. If if Arkansas won the game, if that penalty does not get called and Arkansas wins, are we having a totally different discussion today? Or tonight, I should say. I mean, that that's I think, a yeah. legit deal. It is. And I think we'd be in that boat of talking about who should be fired versus <laughs> yeah. who was fired. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, that, that would have just been, you know, putting a Band-Aid on it. But, you know, go into the bye week, hope for something else. And then, you know, I feel like he was going to get terminated sooner or later. Yeah, and I want to see, again, and I've, A.V. Green and Kenzie Nichols both bring up Kennedy. And we've talked about this before, but I want to bring it up again, the fact that I want to see what happens with this new O.C. before we totally just – Place the blame on Kennedy because me and Adam were talking before the show, and I'm like, when when things aren't going, they're going south. They they see things going a certain way. It's like, okay, who are we going to fire? And and we're looking for, all right, we see the offensive line, so immediately go to the offensive line coach. That's that's the weakest link. Let's, and then we seen how the fire progressed into Enos, and now we seen how it's a dumpster fire, and Enos is gone. They were blocking fine last year under Browse's deal under Browse's scheme when they spread out the offensive line they were blocking just fine everybody was running look at Rocket Sanders he was a top returning back we seen AJ Green we seen you know what DeBinion could do 
So I want to see how he does when they get the scheme back and really get back to square one before I'm ready to call for, for him to be fired because we don't know. Because, again, you have a boss to answer, to answer for. And if Emos wants you to coach the line to block this way and that's not his way of doing things, it's going to cause conflict. So before, again, before we uh, – Call for Kennedy be gone. Let, let's give him a chance and see what happens underneath a different. I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I you, you kind of it's one of those things that if you were to get rid of both of them at the same time, you'd be creating even more issues. Um, I don't think I, I. It's one of those that if you were just to cut out Kennedy before Enos and we still had Enos, like I, I don't think that would have solved anything. Yeah, we wouldn't have been able to see anything. Because like you said, Enos is still going to be calling plays, so the offensive line is still going to be blocking for how Enos is calling plays. And, you know, like we've talked about, like you've brought up several times on our shows, you know, the the V that the offensive line has been blocking in this season versus getting in wide stances and spreading out a little bit. Like we haven't seen that like we had seen in the previous couple few years with uh, under Kendall Bryles. So I think that's been a big part of it. So I just – I don't see – um, I don't. I don't think just getting rid of Kennedy would have done anything if you didn't get rid of Enos. Exactly. I mean, you, you plug and play a, a coordinator in or a, a lineman or position coach, I should say, and you're running the same scheme. Because look, man, I, I'll just bring up one stat, and we won't talk about the game until after the break. But I mean, KJ Jefferson was 19 to 31 for 97 yards. He threw. He completed 19 passes. And two of those were for 30 yards, yeah. so that tells you where everything else went. So, I mean, it's just, you, you look at, I mean, the whole, this this was the, the I want to say this was the 2.0 of the Western Kentucky game. This was that game that, okay, enough's enough. It, it's time to make changes. And, and I, again, I don't think Pittman's safe. I, I don't. Because, look, you everybody looks at how many coordinators he's been through, but – I think you alluded to the point. When you get up on the stage, you're getting paid six, five, six million dollars. With all you got to do is get seven wins, and you get a bonus. And now you're on the heels of not even make it to five hundred as a head coach in the SEC, where your mm-hmm. buyout goes down. And to not be able, what what was you thinking? I didn't know what to do. If you're you, this is the SEC, you're in year four. This is game eight, year four. You have to know whether and, – and the thing is, if you're confident in your decision and you make that decision and that's a wrong one and you can answer for that, I would take that opposed to you're getting up there saying, I don't know what to do. Well, I, I think we could have put Cam out there for a field goal. You well, know what I mean? That's, it's just – That was my biggest question. Like, So that whole sequence and then what he said after the game because – you know, you get the delay of game. Okay, that pushes us from 51 to 56-yarder, which is his career long, but at the same time, we've seen it in practice and pregame, and I know it's a totally different situation, him kicking 60-plus yarders. The announcers even said um, when they were coming off the field for us to go punt, it showed Pittman and Cam Little talking to each other on the sideline, and he, the commentator made the comment that – Pittman has said that he trusts Cam Little to be honest with him, that if he doesn't feel like he could kick it or if he doesn't feel – if he doesn't like the setup, he doesn't like the conditions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
So you're tell, I mean, hearing that, but then him saying he he didn't know what to do. It's almost like, so did you not ask Cam Little if he could kick it? Like yeah. you're you're making it out to be you trust Cam Little to go out there and kick that, and then you're coming back and saying you didn't like it. Just doesn't make sense to me. Well, and you're contradicting yourself too. Don't, exactly. don't sit there and say that you know you, you want to have this conversation with Cam Little, but how many times and how many people were screaming at you to run it under center and what two out of the what they three for three on the under center first down? They didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have been stopped one time. When they go under center, I mean, how long did that take? You know, when you – yeah, I, I will say, if that's truly what happened with Cam and he went to his kicker, how confident are you in making this kick? That – okay, that because it is. And it's not like a chip shot. I mean, but still yet, it's like there's sometimes where you got to start making these decisions. And I don't know if it's the fact that he's been able to get away with it for so long – he, he was able to fall on people like Kendall Browse. He was able to fall on people like um, Odom. And now you have, you know, Enos and Kennedy's hat. Now now people are starting to sift through the weeds, and it's starting to get to him. We're starting well, to run you, out of options. Yeah, and I think if you look at it, too, and, you know, it's I, I hate just to constantly go back to former coaches here, but, you know, let's look at Odom's time here. Him and Pittman went on a walk every single morning. That was well-documented. They talked about it. How much, as an associate head coach, did Barry Odom – did he do more behind the scenes than we thought? Yeah. Did he make decisions more than it may be seen? Did he put the like what Sam Pittman should do in his ear, and that's what Sam Pittman went with? Now that he's gone, he doesn't have that guy kind of directing him. Well, and, and I'll bring it up. And and I've done it a couple times on this show where I'll bring my team into the in, into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Look what Dabo Sweeney was able to do with with Brent Venables and Tony Elliott, and and you know he had two offensive coordinators, Scott and Elliott, and then he had Venables. Well, how much of I mean we know how much of that defense led to those Clemson championships. I won't. And now Venables is OU doing really good now. Look, mm-hmm. Clemson's four and three with an atrocious offense. I mean they're they're horrible. I mean their defense it's it's almost equivalent to Arkansas. You know they can't score. Their defense is holding them. And then of course you got again Dabo calling out the fan base because he's he's calling, but you're making 9 million dollars a year. Think about making almost twice as much as what Pittman's making and you're getting the same results in a weaker conference. I'm screaming too. I'm like, "Hey, you know what? I'm at the point I'm thankful that I got to see my two national championships, but it's time to start doing the same thing, Arkansas fans. And we're talking about this buyout. And with a below 500 record at 50% of the $22.1 million, it'd be $11 million he would get. And, and again, everybody's saying, well, what's the leash on Pittman? I think it all has to do with how this rest of the season goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So – Easier way, yeah, break it down. So we got four games left, and his buyout is determined based on his overall coaching record. So if you just looked at the four games, if he loses, um, I guess, all of them, it cuts it down to $11 million. So I think a lot of that's going to hinge up. And I'm, just, I'm not ruling out that we, you know, any – we're not going to win the SEC, any of those last three SEC games. But you kind of got to look at it like – Okay, so if we lost those three games, it comes down to that FIU, that Florida mm-hmm. International game. Oh man, 
I mean, it truly <laughs> I mean, does. That, and honestly, in my opinion, if we lost that Florida International game, he needs to go on the spot. Yeah. Just my opinion. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pull up their their schedule right now. They're eighth in the Conference USA right now. Um, standings. They are sitting, FIU sitting at one and four in the conference, but they're four and four overall. Um, let's see. They've... They beat Sam Houston. They got beat by UTEP. Let's see who they beat. North Texas. They beat Connecticut. They beat Maine. So I'm telling you, if you're going to let a team that has lost to La Tech, they have lost to Liberty, New Mexico State, and UTEP. Yeah, that, that's. I mean, again, that that's going to be one of those. We'll bring up the whole Western Kentucky deal again. That has to be a win. And you know, it's like Western Carolina. No, I was saying Western Kentucky. I was meaning it was be like a Western Kentucky type game uh, okay. when when I got you. I got you. Yeah, when when the the straight a when third straight story yeah, Ty Story back. come in and and smoked yeah. Chad Morris. You know, yes, that's what I was talking about. Yes, I got you. But I, I but man, I just I, I think the fact is, and I want to say something about you know like the people wanting this is just a question to the masses about Sam Pittman. We're talking about, yes, when he got here, we were in the basement. We were in the basement, and he brought us out of the basement. So is that worth going back to the basement? And I mean, if he loses out this year and you give him another year and he does the same thing. Was that – I mean, that's the thing. Now we're going to be looking back. Man, I wish we'd have done this last year. So you're at a gamble. But that's where we are right now. And I think when you're paying somebody that, if if they lose out or if he gets to that 11 – I mean – but if he ends up winning, I think next year is going to be his last year, no matter what. I think this has to do with the money situation. They don't want to pay him his full buyout. And if he continues, if he loses out, he's definitely gone at the end of the year. Well, and I know, I mean, I don't know how much truth there is behind this. And, you know, it's been talked about, I think, behind the scenes a little bit. But there's been questions asked that if he were to retire at the end of yeah. the year. So, you know, that's if he made it through, I mean, he could make that decision. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that that's even been talked about. Um, it's just, you know, that's another realm of possibility of things. And, that, and, you know, maybe he feels like it's time to step down. Well, and that's what one thing Mike Irwin alluded to. He doesn't think he'll get fired. He thinks that it will be a gesture in the end, in the end. No matter what, if it, and it's looking that way. In the end, if things does not work out, we still, I think we give him that due of retiring mm-hmm. as a thank you for bringing us out of the cellar. Thank you for giving the fans a nine-win season, a bowl win, SEC wins. While the foundation still, it, it's still set. It's not, it's shaky, but it's not crumbled. Because if you give him another year, you risk crumbling the foundation. Now you're starting way all over. And you're a year behind where you thought you should be on a coaching search. Mm-hmm. So, but we're going to take a quick break. After the break, we're going to break down the Mississippi State game, talk about, you know, again, rehash some things, talk some more things out. But we'll be right back after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need. 
whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metro's Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www.sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk Podcast and going on to the game at against Mississippi State. And I, I just want it was like I even put a thing out there. It's like it was a pillow fight. This is one of the I thought I was watching a eleven o'clock Big Ten game in the wintertime. Both teams couldn't move the ball. And that's what gets lost in this. And this is the sad part. And I want to spend the next minute or two, you know, talking about the defense. And, you know, as bad as this season has gone, the defensive has never wavered. Yes, they've given up yardage and given up points. and, and But who hasn't? But for them to hold Mississippi State to no points in the second half – you only gave out a touchdown in the second quarter. I mean, their quarterback was eight for twelve for eighty-five yards. Their their leading rusher was had sixty yards rushing, and that that was your quarterback. So I mean, your quarterback, dual threat quarterback, had a hundred and forty-five yards total offense. So you you got to sit there because I'm telling you, we're hearing Enos and Pittman and all these things, but we still have to remember there's two sides to this, and we have to congratulate the defense and sit there. I know it's not the most important thing you want to do right now, but we still have to sit there and congratulate the defense on, on what they – because they're withstanding this too. And for them to still stand strong and be like have pride in their defense, because you know what? That shows you the difference between 
are they fighting for their coach because they know if things are going south, we'll just get rid of everybody and start over. This defense is fighting for their their coordinators. They're fighting for each other, and I, I commend them for that. Oh, yeah. The defense is doing everything that they could possibly do to try to win the games for this team because the offense hasn't been able to get it done. Um, you know, like we were talking about the scoop and score. Um, you know, there's a lot of things in the game yesterday that could have completely changed, um, the, obviously, the outcome of the game. Um, on the first drive for Arkansas, you know, if we had scored instead of kicking the field goal, but, you know, it was a high snap. Um, KJ went out on the run and then threw the ball low, bad throw on his part, and we ended up having to kick the field goal. Yeah. So, you know, there's a couple of plays that stood out that would have completely, especially with the final score being 7-3, to three, would have completely changed things. And Mike brings up, again, what we're talking about with the play we, we alluded to before the break of, you know, I want to say that's a subjective call. How many times have you seen a running back run in motion and you're supposed to be set and he stops just for a split second and he caught. I mean, there's no there's no way that every time a guy goes in motion that he is set for a complete second. I think that was a mm-hmm. subjective call. And, it. I mean, again, it was thrown right there. So it ain't like they scored a touchdown, oh, bring it back. because. But it's, it's still a subjective well, I mean, call. Yeah, and there was other things, too, that in that game with the referees were kind of – I mean – the offensive lineman from Mississippi State throwing his helmet off of his head yes. right in front of the ref. The ref looked like he was going to pull a flag, and then yep. he got between the players and he didn't throw it, and then it was just not talked about. Yep. I think and somebody I mean, brought that, that up on right Twitter. There, I've seen a video. Everybody saw that. Yeah. And there was a video of that. Somebody pointed – I don't yeah. know if it was one of the media members that put it out there, but, yeah, you could see him clearly coming in it, and it was just mm. – he couldn't get it, get the flag out or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, never mind," you know. But yeah, that's yeah. that's an automatic. I mean, if, even if your helmet comes off inadvertently, that's an automatic. You got to get off the field for a play, correct? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know if, if he helmet, was off the field. Helmet comes off inadvertently. You have to sit out for one play. If you take off your helmet in the field of play for any reason mm-hmm. whatsoever, it's an I think automatic uh, or it's unsportsmanlike. Yeah, because even if you come off the field. Like, if you're celebrating, you have your helmet off. I think that's a, mm-hmm. that's a yeah, you can, yeah. as well. Like, if you've scored, you can't take your helmet off outside. Yeah, it, it's all it all close together. Yeah, and Billy Story comes, how about just using the interim offensive coordinator until K.J. Jefferson leaves? Because at some point, Arkansas will have to start another rebuild. Well, yes. I mean, we're, we're in the midst of the, the rebuild on offense. I'm excited to see what this defense continues to do. And, again, cruddy, we're going to beat this like it's a dead horse the next couple of weeks moving forward with the defensive play and wishing. But, you know, if all it takes is a spark to get something going, but it's of some point, though, too, we're talking about, you know, when people are really seeing the game and they don't have the blinders on of things and, and looking back at it. And the you brought up some of the decisions that K.J. was making. I mean – you look at that one throw where he threw it at the guy's feet, two yards out, on the run. If you look and pan out, there was a guy wide open. Missed the read completely. I mean, it was, that was a touchdown right there on a misread. So, if we're going to criticize a, a flag that could have turned to a touchdown, we got to sit there and look at, well, if he would have threw it to the receiver that was just to the right, read the receiver, that's a touchdown. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it's And you, it wasn't like it was a – 10, 15 yard. I mean, it was, I don't think they were on what, four or five yard line. 
and, like that. and threw it at the guy's feet. So, I mean, you got to – and look, also, you know, when, when guys and commentators are sitting there talking about you're showing up to games in the Louis V bag and you got your suits on and then you play, that, man, that's not a good look. I'm sorry. I'm just – I'm one of them people, man, you got to produce. You can't – you know, it's like that meme that uh, they were talking about on Twitter. They were talking about, you know, the high school team Blair's put on for my city and, and, and yeah. they're coming out and then they get beat 69 beat. to nothing. You know, it's yeah. like you you got uh, to – I don't know. And that, and that could be another disconnect that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm – it can't get any bad. I'm just going to do my thing, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, and then going back to you know, you keeping or using Kenny Guyton, his future, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, obviously he's going to be the interim. You would think interim OC for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, yes. KJ has another year that he could come back and play, but I don't see that if, if KJ was going to play college football after this season. I think it's more likely that he would transfer. Yeah. For one season. Unless you just had a home run hire as an offensive coordinator. But the issue with that is an offensive coordinator is going to come in and wonder is the head coach going to be here for mm-hmm. very long? Or yeah. is it going to be a complete regime change when he gets terminated that I'm on, you know, bot time essentially and I'm not going to be at Arkansas. I mean, there's a lot of factors that come into play. Well, you bring up a great point. We're talking about who are we going to get for our coordinator. I mean, we're talking about who wanted to come to Arkansas when, when Pittman got the job. Well, if, if those uncertainties are there and you're looking at an OC who may be coming in for 2 to $3 million, who wants to come here if you don't know if that head coach is going to be there the next year? You know, that's another thing when we're talking about this rebuild, and I I hate to keep on beating on the, the, the drum of let Pittman go, but you just you brought up a point that I didn't even think of. If, if you let them both go at the end of the year and you bring in a new guy and he brings in his coordinator, that, that's a completely fresh start because if you give Pittman one year, you bring in an offensive coordinator for next year, and then you're trying to get a big home run hire. That big home run hire for head coach is going to want his own crew. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless gonna, you know that's going to be in turn that you're probably going to lose uh, your defensive staff because they're going to bring in their own people yeah. unless they they just you know are unsure about. I, it, there's a lot of questions that come about. You know, I look I think back to when Pittman was hiring folks and his you know he had a list of people beating down the door, knocking on the door that wanted to come coach at Arkansas. But then flip side, you've got him standing in a podium saying, I didn't know what to do. Like I, I, if I was a coach, I would just look at that. Like, do I want to go into a dysfunctional, you know, program? Why would I want to do that? Because then people are just going to look at, you know, on that, offensive coach or I mean people are going to look at Dan Enos's you know resume and be like oh you were at Arkansas for half a season well other OCs coming yep. in are going to have that same thing well, oh you're only at Arkansas for a season well yeah it's because the head coach got fired mm-hmm. I mean there's yeah different factors that's that come into their futures pro- that's where your interview process comes in but look I'll tell yeah. you what if you're a head coach coming in if you got one side of your equation of what you have to fix especially if you're in the SEC. I I would love to come into a position where this defense is. 
I've only got to fix one side of the field. You're coming in as a head coach, and you got you're talking about somebody who might be an up and comer, or somebody who was an offensive coordinator, went to head coach, and now they're back, or something you know along the lines of that. I would love to come into that situation, and you got you look at what the defense is doing, especially eight games into the season. You bring in somebody that wants to win and wants to make a change. And, and again, the SEC is where the coaches come to be remembered. They, this is the cream of the crop, the top conference in the country. And you come in and you get an offense, you only got to worry about that offense because that's what's lacking, I'm telling you. And especially with how the defensive coordinators are recruiting, mm-hmm. I wouldn't touch the defensive side of the ball. And that's the one thing, too, I was looking at with the this recruiting class. And honestly, I mean, or this upcoming recruiting class, I mean, Dan Enos was here for a little bit of it, but those guys were, you know, Arkansas guys before Enos. And yeah. we kept them, the Courtney Crutzfields, the Braylon Russells. And so I think getting rid of Enos potentially helped stop whatever bleeding may have occurred if Dinos Enos was here and we didn't see any changes happening, I think then you would have started to see a max, mass exodus of recruits. Um, but, Billy, your question here is, do you think KJ might be a little upset about Kendall Browse leaving and is kind of giving us a bad effort, but just enough so fans won't be saying he is selling us out? No, because in the world of the transfer portal, if Kend- or if KJ Jefferson wanted to follow Kendall Bryles to TCU, he very much could have mm-hmm. because their quarterback that got them to the football playoff was, you know, went to the NFL and is no longer on an NFL team, I don't think at least. But KJ could have followed him to TCU if he wanted to. Yeah, or, or went anywhere else. I mean, or, Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, it's the thing that he wanted. Again, he wanted to try to go out as one of the – greatest quarterbacks to ever play at Arkansas. And, again, it's a shame that that's not going to happen because of how things are, because of efforts like 19 for 31 for 97 yards. I don't care how many wins or how many records you break. You go on – I mean, your wins mean something. You know, and and to have the year that they're having – that's where does does he try to make amends and come? I mean, that's the only reason why I would see him coming back is NIL, and he wants that fifth year because who wouldn't want a fifth year or a redo, a reset? Be like, all right, we got these people coming in. Let's see what I can do at this school, and see if I can make somehow make the best of it. I don't know what's in his mind, but that would be the only thing I could think of him coming back next year. Oh, I mean, the in that aspect, the NIL changes the landscape of mm-hmm. things because let's, you know, call it like it is, he's not going to the NFL to play quarterback at this point in time. Yeah. So if him to get paid next season, it's going to be from NILs. Yeah. And, so. and the figures that we've, we've heard and the rumors of the figures that we've seen and heard, I mean, that, I would stay for that too. Um, but it's at the point of moving forward with this program and, and going into these final games, you know, you've got to what can be salvaged of this year? What can, you know, you bring in a guy that has not played, you know, 
called any plays. You know, what's the morale? You got a bye week to really kind of in the perfect. And that's another reason why I think you let Enos go when you did. You give the guy, the intern, Guyton, a full two weeks of prep for mm-hmm. your next game. I mean, that's the most time you give anybody. If, if you're making a change, you do it now. You know it's inevitable. Quit dragging it on. And now you know you've got a guy coming in. And, again, you know it's a win out or no bowl game. Yeah. So, and, I mean, <laughs> it just sucks that that guy's first game is going to be <laughs> against Florida. Yeah. And, and Jacob here, KJ has regressed badly. He did not prepare himself for the season, and you can tell. The re- <laughs> This makes you wonder, and this makes you think, this makes you question how much things before the season were just all hype. Because if everybody would remember, KJ went to San Diego to train, to strength, to train, Mm -hmm. to work on his game, whatever it was. He was in San Diego for a little bit, I think a couple few weeks, if not longer, whatever. So I don't think he wasn't preparing. Um, he couldn't work out necessarily with the team and the players because of NCAA guidelines and rules and regulations. So he went out with a personal trainer in San Diego and did his own thing. Yeah, but it, it, on the other hand, you can't – I don't have an argument for that, though, because he has regressed. He has oh, – yeah. you know, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, but it's something about – Arkansas players going to California and never coming back, you know, or, or coming back later. And, you know, it's just crazy. You look at three of them now. You're going to California to prepare, and, you know, you're seeing what's going on. And, I, again, I don't know. I, I'd hope. And you could see by some of his facial expressions and stuff, he's mm-hmm. he's irritated. And he, he there's times where he has put the team on his back and, and tried to make the most out of it. And I'm not saying that he don't care or he's he's done. It's just – we have to, in the praise of it, we have to sit there and say the same thing of decisions he's made because mm-hmm. we talk about the coach and OC. Well, he's the next line because the ball's in his hand every single play. So, and he, you know, very it could go down to that he just didn't get Enos's system. Yeah, uh, you know, when we're getting into the you know the one read RPO with Kendall Bryles versus a two to three reads plus under Dan Enos. I mean, it's completely different. Yeah. So. And, well, and, and again, you know, it's just, it's sad that, again, fans were, were plane tracking, were, were talking about, an, an, because the last, we want to talk about the last two years under Chad Morse and how bad they were. Other than the nine-win season of Sam Pittman, Things are just as bad. We're just as turmoil because, I mean, we're a year away from even forgetting about that nine-win season. And, and no, that's, I think that's it's the, already been and gone. But that's the only thing that's keeping his job now. That's what I'm saying because if yeah. next year we're singing the same song and dance, that nine-win season doesn't mean anything. And you lose out. I mean, and I'm, I don't know. I mean, you lose out and you play a close game against Florida International or something, he might be gone anyway. I, I don't. I, that's know. I think if we lost that FIU game, that that's the nail in the coffin yeah. for him. But like we both said, you know, because we we had high expectations going into the season, but we both did say that this season would set up his future. Yes. For next season, you know, on whether or not how long he would be here, and and that I, would set the tone for next year. And I even went as far as saying that this would set the whole tone for the football program as a whole. Mm-hmm. 
Because I remember, you know, when they were, I, I stood up for the man. I was like, man, everybody harping on him for being just the cold beer guy and drinking man. And he's going to prove, and he's going to try to prove that he's he's got a new OC, he's got a new system in, and it's like, where's the production of it? You know, and again, mm-hmm. last week I was saying, there's only so many times you can get hit in the face before you start fighting back. And you come out on offense and there was no fight. There's no passion. I mean, other than – KJ, when he does his runs, and and where is the passion? Is is the offensive side just completely off the rails? And I guess so because, you know, and this is something I brought up and I hadn't really seen a lot of it. And I'm not calling out any players or coaches personally or nothing. It's just some, an observation that I didn't just think of until now. You made an offensive coordinator move, and I haven't seen one player say anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. usually if there's a change and somebody's made a difference or somebody's made a wrong decision, somebody's speaking out about it somewhere. And if You'll I'm just missing thank, it, a thank you coach post or something. Yeah. And I yeah. had, and now unless I'm just looking in the wrong threads or I'm not in, you know, the right algorithm or whatever, yeah. I haven't seen anybody say anything about it. You know, so that, that, that speaks volumes because, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen defensive players saying, hey, look, we're still in this. We're still showing fight, and they're still showing production. You know, um, we we you know, Jared. We we can. How much of this blame on? I think it's more complex than offensive line. I mean, you've been able to win so many games without with without just the offensive line. I mean, you've had decisions and play calling and shot. I mean, there's so much. I think the offensive line was the beginning. I wouldn't say scapegoat. They, that was the beginning. That was the spark. Then it went to Kennedy. Then it went to the play calling. Then we kind of got a little edge where we're winning a couple of games and we're doing good on offense. Well, now we're looking so much. Then we took a step back. And it's just like the roller coaster was going up and then it just flew backwards at a, at a high rate of speed. Um, I think this was a whole concoction of everything that had to do with the offense. And then you got to throw in, of course, you want to talk about Haas getting uh, – has getting uh, – Injured. I mean, that had a little bit to do with it, but then you had Ty Washington show some promise, and then he went away. A.J. Green showed some promise. He went away. So th- there's a lot of things that could be said, but I think the right move was made today because in the end it's a common denominator. Well, who calls those plays? Who puts people in those positions? It all falls back on the O.C. Absolutely. We got a couple more. How do you guys think COVID affected the program? I- well, I mean, not really. I mean, because you had promise because in the COVID year, you won three SEC games. I mean, he was forgiven for that. I mean, he went three and, and then, seven, and yeah. like he won three games in the SEC. And then benefited from having all the super seniors mm-hmm. the following year. Exactly. So It mean, actually helped. And, yeah. and, again, that's where you, we've brought it up many times when the fluke was that nine-win season, a fluke because of what you had and moving forward. So. Um, fans, all I can say is basketball season is, is here. We got, um, exhibition game coming up or a charity exhibition game against Purdue. That's going to be a knockdown drag out game. Um, just so yeah, everybody just, it's an exhibition game. Mind you remember that. And also Purdue is the number three ranked team in the country. So this game is not going to define the season by any means. Yes, it does not do anything for the record. And I want to say, like, hey, kudos to Purdue for coming down 
And I know mm-hmm. this is going to be compared to the Arkansas-Texas game last year, you know. So, listen, if Arkansas – that's what happened last year. You know, Arkansas got beat by Texas, and I think it was, what, by 40? 30. 30, yeah. you know. And it, it's one of the things that, you know, the outcome, it doesn't matter. Arkansas wins by 40 or loses by 40. I mean, we got a – this is a charity exhibition, and it's a chance to see this team before the opener – Monday against Alcorn State and Bud Walton. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, six games to watch uh, between now and when they go to the Bahamas to play in the Bad Boys Mower Battle for Atlantis. And again, let's go to that right quick. You know, even with those games, Stanford, Memphis, Michigan. So you're going to see a game against Michigan and then you play the. Very, very anticipated game against Duke on the 29th. But, you know, that battle for Atlantis, that's going to be one of them where you're playing a lot of good talent in a lot of days. You know, and it's, again, it's November. But, yeah, uh, kudos to Purdue for coming down. Kudos for the Razorbacks and and Arkansas for putting this together for the victims. Um, I mean, it's always nice when you have games that there's a cause and there's, you know, giving back. Because this is the perfect way to do it, you know. And there was a very good crowd that come out to watch the UT Tyler exhibition where Arkansas won 92-39. to uh, Pre what I've seen two games in a row already between the red-white showcase and the exhibition, I mean, they can actually shoot the three. They can score. Yeah, this, this so, Purdue game will be a good way to judge where your team's at without it affecting your record. And that's how it needs to be treated. So, um We'll see a lot of different lineups, a lot of different starting fives, a lot of different rotations. Um, you'll see start some more pieces put together probably in the battle for Atlantis. Um, you'll definitely see they'll try to have all their ducks in a row for Duke right after battle for Atlantis. So it's going to be this next month, there's going to be a lot of basketball going on, a lot of basketball talk going on. Yeah, and we'll go back to Billy. He brought this up last week, never ending about Dominion. Um we were talking about season. I was talking about Ty Washington. He had production and then went away. A.J. Green had production and then went away. That was the BYU game. Um, again, you, you talk – Dominion was a leading rusher this game. I mean, yeah, he had a great game. But we're talking about you, – you, you mentioned that last week that Dominion didn't have the, uh, as many touches, as many chances as A.J. Green. Dominion has twice as many carries as A.J. Green. I mean, we were going off stats and, and talking about the season as a whole. So, I don't know this whole thing of, of Dominion. I mean, look, you could honestly put Marshall Falk back right there. You could put Emmett Smith back there, and I don't know they could get 100 yards. Just the way with how this offense and this this blocking is going. So, that's just one of them. Um, last well, – another question, how does Guyton get the ball in Centanian's hands? That, that's a good question because we were talking about at the beginning of the show, these quick slants. Get the ball to your guys that can be quick and then turn the burner. This would be a perfect time to try to – I know it's, it'd be kind of a petty deal on, on the whole Enos thing, but, you know, going under center and, and throwing it out. But, again, you got to be able to block. These guys, you know, you can have speed, you can have quickness, but you got to be able to block. you got to be able to create separation. We mm-hmm. stated last week, Adam stated last week about the track speed. You still got to be able to get separation, and then again, when you catch the ball, get yards. Or you're again, you're going to have 19 completions for 91 yards. 
Adam, you about ready to rat? Are you good? Are you? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I mean, yeah. we, a lot of the stuff we, you know, ain't talked about earlier in the yeah, show. Yeah, I so. got you. I got you. Yeah. And right here, real. How long will it take? That this has been a twelve year thing, brother. Exactly. I, the, the the Facebook. We don't. If this is on another platform, I, we can't see who the commenter is. I think it's in the Hog Sports. If you're commenting uh, on the Hog Sports, you can't. But uh, whoever made the comment about realistically, <clears throat> this has been going on since 2010, 2011. So. We haven't turned this thing around yet, so it's it's a never-ending process if if just all the right pieces aren't in there. But um, again, we're going to have uh, the swim coach on Wednesday on the weekly women's sports report. Again, we alluded to the beginning of it. Arkansas soccer clinched at least a share of the SEC championship for the fourth time in the last five years. The volleyball team went ended their 16-game winning streak. On the road, they played back to back against the two other top, the second and third best teams in the SEC, and beat Tennessee. And then they fell to Kentucky on the road. So tough in five sets when when you're talking about the magnitude. But 16 game winning streak off to the best start in program history. So again, kudos to the volleyball and soccer programs, which we'll touch on more in depth on Wednesday, and we will catch you on Wednesday evening at seven yep. o'clock. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.